Today on Ag News Daily. We're able to early predict a disease. We can enable a rancher or a farmer to isolate that particular cow before it becomes infected and before it starts infecting others in the herd. Welcome to a Tech Tuesday edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast, May 16th, 2023. Delaney and Tanner here to chat with you for a couple of minutes, wouldn't you say? I think we better hit some headlines here this morning, Tanner. Oh, we could do that. Doesn't seem like there's much for weather in the forecast for today. Kind of a quiet day across the U.S. Still a couple of flood watches and warnings issued. We're looking at southeastern Missouri, uh, southwestern Illinois. Obviously, that uh, follows the river basin there. Heavy rains have fallen the last couple of days. An excessive runoff may create additional flooding areas in low-lying and flood-prone locations along that line. The opposite of the problem is happening in northern Minnesota and Wisconsin where there's still a fire advisory where we see strong winds and relatively low humidity. But that's all I really have for weather in the forecast today. We'll continue to see what a system looks like as it's projected to move through the Midwest towards the end of this week. And Tanner, your speculation about all the wet weather we've been having did in fact slow planting progress just a tad here for the week prior. Following a 23-point jump last week, corn planting this week moved ahead at a much slower pace of 16 percentage points. We're now 65% of the way complete as of Sunday, May 14th. Still 20 percentage points ahead of last year, Tanner, so we're still moving things right along, respectively. Corn producers in Iowa and Illinois were 86 and 84% planted, respectively. 30% of the corn has emerged as of Sunday. And on the soybean side of things, the pace of soybean planted slowed also just slightly last week, moving ahead 14 percentage points. Now, as of Sunday, we are 49% completed in the soybean field plantings, and that's 22 percentage points ahead of last year. So crop progress for soybeans is 20% emerged as of Sunday. And this week, Tanner, we're going to get a good feeling finally for what is in the wheat fields, just how bad things really are as we see the Kansas wheat tour kick off today. But on yesterday's crop progress report, 49% of winter wheat was headed nationwide, up 11 percentage points, and winter wheat conditions were rated 29% good to excellent unchanged from the week prior. USDA also said 41% of the crop was poor to very poor. So we'll see if those numbers are confirmed this week with boots on the ground. Yeah, that's great. The uh, oat planting progress for those large number of acres of oats that we've got is 70% completed, but that's nearly 10% behind the average. 53% of the oats have emerged. That's up 11% in that area. Why? Because Kansas is a strong area for oat growing and their state representatives have voted on historic legislation that's going to spend nearly $50 million a year on preserving their groundwater and restoring the state's reservoirs. The Senate finished with their watered down but a good start version of their bill as lawmakers and farm environmental groups came together. Sometimes the least common denominator is something that everybody can agree on, said a couple of legislatures. 
the three-year bill that the House has been working on through dedicated committee lines help to help the state's many issues with water finally came through and passed. This year, they passed two bills that increased funding for water conservation efforts and strengthened the accountability measures for those that are managing the use of the Ogallala Aquifer. There will be probably a number of amendments, though, Delaney, coming down the pipeline as uh, this gets put officially into law, but the Senate officially passed that in the eyes of what they considered to be watered down, but still had the nuts and bolts to get a project like this put together. First of all, starting off with $35 million a year, this first year directly towards the implementation of the restrictions within their bill and then ongoing maintenance for the rest of that budget. But they will continue to watch the balance and the levels of that Ogallala aquifer within their state lines to make sure that there are no needed changes in the future. So it's interesting there to see both activist groups and ag groups along the lines working with legislature to put together a program in place. Kansas now has some strong guidelines together as to what they can do to preserve their water. And I'm sure we'll touch base with touch base on that maybe during a Kansas interview coming up later this week. Tanner, the USDA released some interesting news today that cattle producers will now have access to a gene edited system that allows to prevent from certain diseases. The gene edited calf's name in question here is ginger. Scientists have been able to create a gene edited calf that is resistant to contracting bovine viral diarrhea virus or BVDV. And the announcement has been seen as a major accomplishment for the beef industry, considering this virus alone costs the beef sector billions with a B dollars annually. Ginger was produced through a study conducted by the USDA's Agricultural Research Service and in partnership with the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, the University of Kentucky, and the industry partners at, um, probably not going to pronounce this first term correctly, but a cell, a cell line, not sure, a cell, moving on here, um, and another third party company. But the scientists use CRISPR technology to reduce ginger's susceptibility to the virus through gene editing technology. And as a calf, she displayed no adverse symptoms when exposed to the virus. She's now 16 months old and healthy. And the USDA is just starting to put out some information about how they did this and what the next steps are there. But it's uh, certainly most harmful to pregnant calves as well as young calves. So Ginger is alive and healthy, Tanner. I think she might be, judging by this photo here, she is definitely not your typical uh, Midwestern cattle breed. Kind of like a foreign breed, maybe like a zebu cattle or something you'd see out of Africa or India. I was going to ask if she was red. No, she's not. (laughs) She's not indeed. Well, good. I'm going to hit a couple of economic headlines here. 21% of U.S. adults believe now is a good time to buy a house, according to the Gallup survey. That is a record low and down nine percentage points since the low that was reached last year. The survey revealed 78% of respondents said it's actually a 
bad time to buy a house. And part of that might be the looming debt ceiling as uh, Janet Yellen reaffirms that the U.S. may default on debt as soon as June 1st if Congress does not act. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen reiterated again in an interview Monday, the looming deadline is keeping the pressure high on the House Republicans and the White House to bridge their differences in addressing their debt ceiling solutions. They're expected again to meet today on Tuesday to work together as congressional leaders to put a solution together. However, yesterday markets closed slightly higher Traders were continuing to consider the ongoing debt ceiling crisis, but had faith that there would be a solution. The two-year Treasury yield rose four percent, rose to four percent yesterday, as uh, they were continuing to look at that. The Dow was up forty-nine points. The Senate Banking Committee today is set to grill the execs from Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. We will be looking for answers as well as regulators that produced red flags and why they were ignored. We'll continue to watch that. And the last piece I have to contribute to economic headlines is U.S. retailer spending rose in April. Following two months of decline, this shows the U.S. consumer is still fueling the economy and wanting to spend, but spending rose less than what experts were predicting. So a couple of mixed pieces of headlines there as far as financial news goes. Well, I've got a couple of energy-related pieces of news, the first of which is USDA Today on Tuesday will roll out a $10.7 billion clean energy grant program and loans for rural electric providers that the Biden administration is declaring as the single largest investment in rural electrification since the 1936 Rural Electrification Act. Using funding from the Inflation Reduction Act, USDA will lay out two new loans and grant programs for rural electric cooperatives and other rural power providers. The two funding programs include lots of acronyms here, Tanner, but Empowering Rural America Program, or ERA, which will provide $9.7 billion to build out renewable energy programs, zero emission projects, and carbon capture programs. And this program will be exclusively for rural electric cooperatives. The second smaller program is Powering Affordable Clean Energy, or PACE. This will be a $1 billion grant program that could be used partially for forgivable loans to renewable energy developers and electric power producers. So that's one quick headline I had there. The other is that Honeywell International Inc. and Summit Agricultural Group are partnering to build the world's largest plant making ethanol-based aviation fuel. This plant is expected to open in 2025, and the Summit Next Gen facility will be located in the U.S. Gulf Coast and utilize Honeywell's technology to transform ethanol into sustainable aviation fuel, Tanner. Summit Ag has the largest corn-based ethanol plant in Brazil and is planning to use some of the biofuel there from their facility to feed into the U.S. plant, as well as supplies from the Midwest. But Summit Ag, they're just, they got their fingers in a little bit of everything, Tanner. That's correct. Quite a large and diverse investment firm there. Last headlines I've got come from Russia and Ukraine. 
Ukrainian officials say that Kiev was hit by an exceptional attack early Tuesday morning, but the air defenses destroyed most of the missiles. The drones that were launched by Russia had been shot down. There were reports of injuries to people, but we get mixed headlines because the Russia claims that it hit a U.S.-made Patriot air defense system, while Ukraine is still stating that they intercepted all of their missiles. We now have uh, accusations from Russian private military that there is a new video releasing a U.S. citizen died in the Ukrainian city, but we cannot get confirmation as to whether those claims are true. Obviously, if that becomes uh, factual, that will elevate the level of involvement from the U.S. Ukrainian President Zelensky continues to promise fresh military aid to his front lines, including those that come from allies that we discussed yesterday. But the interesting part, Delaney, is there is currently tank training in place. Western allies have not provided jets to date, but they have provided M1 Abrams tanks. Those are in Germany and are in a training program, but those tanks now won't be delivered until the fall. Russia continues to go on the defensive as uh, they're looking at continued unsuccessful missions, but we'll continue to keep an eye on where things are headed. Obviously, Kiev is a focused target right now. It looks like uh, another anticipated attack this evening is going to be on its way. So I'm sure we'll have more news tomorrow. But that's what I've got today for news, Selene. Yeah, I don't have any other uh, updates as of right now about the grain corridor initiative deal. I think we're still just sitting on our hands, Tanner, waiting to see what comes through there. Well, we will continue to watch for headlines there, obviously, uh, like you reported yesterday on looking for different leadership in Turkey to see if those negotiations will continue and what that will look like. But as we open markets today, how do things sit? Well, things are definitely pushing lower here after still Good moves in the planting progress report yesterday, Tanner. July corn in the overnight was down five and three quarters cents. We'll open here this morning at 586 and three quarters. Dece new crop corn down two pennies to open at 513. In the soybean pits, things are still just settling here before we head into opening session, but July corn is down about 11 and three quarters cents at 1389. New crop beans down six and three quarters cents to open at 1224 and three quarters. Hard red winter wheat after yesterday's big moves has taken a step back here on this Tuesday trading session in the July wheat contract. KC down six cents at 892. And a quick look at where livestock markets closed yesterday. They had a pretty strong day across the board. August live cattle added 30 cents yesterday to close at a buck 72, excuse me, a buck 62.75. August feeders will open here this morning at 231.05. And June lean hawks added $2.05 yesterday to open here today at 86.15. Tanner, it's very timely that we had lots of livestock related news today because we're kicking it over to a conversation of a company using artificial intelligence to be able to predict disease in cattle, even before they may show it themselves. 
Tanner, we have been talking a lot about artificial intelligence on the podcast and how it's started to play a role in agriculture. So I'm super excited for today's Tech Tuesday conversation today with Shaker Gupta, the founder and CEO of My Animal. Shaker, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We are looking forward to this conversation. Well, thank you very much, Tanner and uh, Delaney. I really appreciate the invite and I'm looking forward to it. So, Shaker, before we get into talking about how my animal uses artificial intelligence to help with predicting sickness in cattle, even before they actually show up sick, tell us a little bit more about your background and how this company came to be. Yeah, so my background, I've last about 25 years or so. I've done every single technology you could possibly imagine, working for Fortune 100 companies and my startups as well. And one of the things that I've noticed over the last several years is that we place so much emphasis on our human health and we employ so many technologies to make sure that we stay healthy. And then post COVID though, biosecurity has become a major issue. And then there are so many um, problems and, and challenges with our food supplies. So I'm always been a predictive modeling person and I've decided to and at that time, I decided to look into this thing and figure out if there is a way for us to secure our food supply, which comes from mostly comes from agricultural industry and to me from the cattle industry a lot more. Um, and hence, this idea came about where we're going to use artificial intelligence to early predict the disease. So it's, it's a passion of mine more so than anything else. And that seems to be a large industry potential for, you know, especially just bovine to start off with, what type of an impact could a technology like this have on the cattle industry? Thank you very much for that question, Tanner. And you rightly pointed out, uh, the technology can be used for other animal segments as well. We're starting off with cattle industry because I'm in Kansas City. I'm surrounded by cattle all over the place. And um, what also in my research, what I found is that the cattle industry suffers over $200 billion each year in, uh, um, in losses, in uh, treatment costs, and lost revenues, and deaths, and all that. Uh, we're able to early predict the disease. We can uh, enable a rancher or a farmer to isolate that particular cow before it becomes infected and before it starts infecting others in the herd that lowers the treatment cost and increases their revenue. So there's a huge potential just in the cattle industry alone. Yeah, and I was really shocked to learn, heading to your website, looking at some of the early research and white papers and whatnot that you guys have put out there, I did not realize that a cow's muzzle was as unique as a human fingerprint. And that's part of the way that you've been able to have these early detections before the cow really shows maybe other signs we would look for as far as disease and sickness goes. How did you discover that that was the case? So Delaney, that's a very interesting point. Um, you know, uh, it's an industry-wide knowledge that a muzzle, which is in terms of a nose print, is a very unique feature on each animal that no two will ever be same. And um, even if you look at in our human philosophy, human world as well, um, our, our symptoms start to show up when we're tired. Our face shows up more than our activities do. Our body does. 
and after doing very much research on all parts, different parts of the cattle body, I started looking at the face and then eventually settled down on the muzzle and saw that muzzle does indeed changes before the cow shows any symptoms. Wow, that that is like you said, I was not aware of that either. But as you looked, put that technology together, is this something that is focused on dairy cattle or is it all cattle in general? So at my animal, we started out with beef cattle to be uh, to to start off because the implementation was easier and faster. I mean, that's another beautiful thing about our product tenor is that we use uh, just off-the-shelf cameras and put them at the strategic locations to capture the videos or the pictures of those cows. So we started off with beef cattle, and now we're moving into dairy as well. So talk to us a little bit more about the technology itself. It's, as you mentioned, there are cameras that are looking at different points in the system to look specifically at their muzzles for prediction there. But how is the muzzle specifically going to tell a farmer that their cattle are potentially getting sick? Right. So, uh, mus- so that, that's the beauty of our system is that even if you took um, a, a rancher or a farmer, even if they take a, a, a lens of, and go around their cows, they're not going to be able to detect it. It's the artificial intelligence, the computer vision that, cha- that senses the subtle changes in, the, in, in a muzzle, in a cow's muzzle. And it can early predict even two to three days before that cattle shows any symptoms. And, you know, these um, cattle owners, managers, the pen riders, they're so used to of knowing and seeing some visual equities in their cattle. And my system would have told you or told them about those cattle two to three days before they were able to see it. Yeah, that's interesting because I've I've got a mother-in-law that is very talented in making visual observations of the cattle that they have. And it's fascinating to me that she can see things that I can't, let alone now there's a technology out there that can help identify. So is this focused on any disease within the cattle or is it keyed in on like pink eye or more visual diseases? Right. So uh, currently, the note, the product we have out is sick versus healthy, where we provide that notification. We're, we're working on uh, getting our data sets for other diseases as well. We've got about 86% accuracy in, in uh, pink eye and 70% in BRD. And we're continuing to develop our data set to include other diseases as well. So, Shaker, what does the future look like? You've, we've mentioned, obviously, potentially other uh, livestock species, maybe other diseases. How is this technology going to be utilized, you think, in the future? Uh, the technology has a very large scope in terms of the livestock industry. I mean, cattle industry alone is, is a major market for my animal. And then think about, you know, we launch it in sheep and goats. I mean, the, 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 the feature is just enormous for it. Wow. I, I can't wait to see where you guys head next. So where is this product available? And if our listeners are interested, can they get it now? Absolutely. All they've got to do is just go on my animal and it's M-Y-A-N-I-M-L.com. So my animal.com. And then, you know, by deploying the, the solution, we together 
all of us together would be able to reduce the contagious disease outbreaks and then hopefully the uh, uh, animal to human disease outbreaks as well. I mean, with, with all this uh, going on in the, in the technology world, why not bring some of them back into our food supply? And that's what I say is that we're, we're at my animal revolutionizing cattle heart health management. So let's work together and, uh, and make, make this a reality. Well, that was a fun conversation. It's always neat to share some of the latest technology with our listeners. Glad we got that lined up. The listeners, don't go too far. We've still got more shows coming this week. We can bring you some more great headlines and good conversations. Delaney, but for today, what do you say? Should we let them go? Let's let them go.